In these days of HLC Review, Nazarene Bible College's mission and purpose has been talked about again and again. Nazarene Bible College exists to glorify Jesus Christ as Lord by preparing adults to evangelize, disciple, and minister to the world. In these days as well, the Christian church is in the midst of the season of Lent. Some of you might be familiar, but some of you might not. What is Lent and how long is it? Lent is 40 days, not including Sundays, from Ash Wednesday to the Saturday before Easter. It started on Ash Wednesday, February 22nd. That was four weeks ago today. Uh, Lent is often described as a time of preparation and an opportunity to go deeper with God. This means that it's a time for personal reflection that prepares people's hearts and minds for Good Friday and Easter. Uh, That's two weeks and three days until Easter. So we're two thirds of the way through. And that seems to me to be a good time to read the gospels and their accounts of the final days and hours of Jesus's earthly ministry. If you read in uh, chapter uh, 13 of John, you'll see the kind of the final, final section of Jesus's ministry and it's with his disciples and it's in an upper room. Chapter 13 starts with Jesus washing the disciples feet and his foretelling of his betrayal by Judas, specifically by indicating who it was and his betrayal or his denial by Peter three times. On the other hand, John chapters 14, 15 and 16 give us some of the greatest teaching ever by Jesus. He speaks extensively about the Holy Spirit, about his command that they love one another. Uh, There are lots of very, very famous, uh, wonderful scriptures found there, such as I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who remains in me, and I in him bear much fruit. Uh, That's from chapter 15, the other one by 14. This is my commandment that you love one another. Uh, Greater love has no one than this, than a person lay down his life for his friends. So we've all heard uh, verses, I'm sure, from chapters 14, 15, and 16. However, the teachings of the disciples in that upper room stops at the end of chapter 16. What happens next in chapter 17 is that Jesus prays to his father. The entire chapter 17 is that prayer. And after he finishes praying, he and the disciples leave and go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Chapter 18, verse 2, talks of Judas bringing the soldiers and the chief priests and everybody to that garden place. So 18 is when the end really, really begins. So chapter 17 is a very, very crucial moment for Jesus. And what does he do? He prays. And what does he pray? That's that's what we're going to look at today. So I take uh, John chapter 17, verses uh, 1 through 3. Jesus spoke these things, and raising his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, so that the Son may glorify you, just as you gave him authority over all mankind, so that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's from New American Standard uh, 2020 uh, version. Boy, this is amazing. John chapter 17 is one of the most surprising and deeply astounding sections in all the Bible. 
It is Jesus praying to the Father right before he goes through the betrayal, the injustice of fake trials, the scourging and mocking of the Jews and Romans, and finally, his crucifixion and death on the cross. This prayer is at the beginning of all that and at the very end of his time of ministry, after he's been preaching to the world and, and healing and teaching his disciples even in private. Um, it is the longest prayer that we find in the entire New Testament. And as one pastor asked one time, how is it that we get to hear Jesus talking to God the Father? It's just amazing. Richard Trinch said, Jesus did not pray the way that he taught his disciples to pray. This prayer is clearly no prayer of an inferior to a superior. Constantly there is seen in it the co-equality of the speaker with the Father. The two have but one mind. Where the son speaks, he is not seeking to bend the father's will to his will. Actually, he's voicing the purpose of the Godhead. What's the first words he says? Father, the hour has come. The hour, the moment. This is it. It's happening now. Have you, have you ever felt that similar feeling? One of those life-changing moments that, that even though you knew it, it was coming, when it comes, it just grabs you. Uh, a childbirth, uh, a death, a wedding, a graduation ceremony, something on the calendar that you've been looking at and looking at and looking at and expecting, even something maybe you were dreading for a long, long time, and it's here and now, and it's actually happened. That's what this is saying. Father, the hour has come. The hour of my sufferings has come. Next thing he says is, glorify your son. Glorify your son. Interesting way to put that. Albert Barnes says, Father, he, he, as, if, as, if, as if he were praying it, Father, give to the world the unmistakable demonstration that I am your son. How would he do that? Jesus is asking him to sustain him and to manifest his power, God's power, in Jesus's death and resurrection and ascension. And this will give clear evidence to the entire world, Jesus is saying, that I am your son. That's not just a title, the son of God, but is actually the truth. Glorify your son. That's, that's powerful. But we can look at that in another way. Glorify your son. Joseph Benson says, it's like saying, Father, let me have such help from you as will enable me to bear the sufferings of these hours ahead and be glorifying to you so they can see it came from you. Let the circumstances of my trials, both in the Jewish courts and the Gentile courts of judgment, may they be so clear as to plainly prove my innocence. Let my death be so clearly pointing the truth of your love for the world that the scandal and the humiliation of dying on a cross will be completely removed. I think that's amazing. Let my death, my trials, let my sufferings, whatever all that be, may that glorify you. And that's what Jesus is saying at this time. Let's go on. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Well, this clearly refers to the, that second verse or third verse of the, of the passage, which talks about that uh, Jesus will give eternal life to those people who believe in him, the people that God has given him. And it, that's 
That's one of the ways. But it's clear that so that the Son may glorify you. Jesus is praying that God would so honor him in his death that it would be a it would be quite clear that he was the Messiah sent by God. And therefore, men would honor God the Father. By Jesus' death, the law, the truth, and the mercy of God were honored. Glorify your son so that the son can point back to you. By the spread of gospel and the conversion of sinners, God would be honored. Glorify your son so that it'll point back to you. By all that Christ will do now that he is glorified to spread his gospel, God will be honored. And that gives this major point right here. The conversion of a single sinner honors God. A revival, the response of people to evangelism, is a clear way to bring glory to God the Father. The spread of the gospel throughout all the nations will do more than all other things to honor and glorify God among men. Basically what it's saying is whoever honors the Savior honors God. Glorifying the Son clearly glorifies the Father who sent him. So Jesus is saying, glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you and demonstrate the relationship that I have in you. I, I think he's also saying, particularly let me be raised from the dead and taken to heaven so that throughout the entire world, people will see the cross and will see the empty tomb and they will think of you, God the Father. I think that's, I think that's one of the major points that, that he, he was praying for. And there's no question that this was what he was talking about. Um, just a few chapters earlier in John 12, he said, but Jesus answered them by saying, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now my soul has become troubled. And what am I to say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this purpose. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. Jesus responded and said, no, this voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now he was saying this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. That's from John chapter uh, 12. 27 to 33. So what? Let's go back to the mission statement of NBC. Nazarene Bible College exists to glorify Jesus Christ as Lord by preparing adults to evangelize, disciple, and minister to the world. We are to glorify Jesus so that he may glorify the Father. We are to exalt Jesus. We are to lift up Jesus. If he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. We are to preach Jesus Christ. We are to make Christ-like disciples. That's our mission. That's our call. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you help us to glorify 
your son. That's why we exist. That's why Nazar Bible College exists. We need your help to do that. But you've done all the heavy lifting. You've done all the work. And anything we do is only because you've helped us to do it. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we look to you to help us to glorify Jesus. I pray that for each of us. I, I don't just pray for us in our work hours. I pray for us to glorify Jesus outside of work. I pray that you bless us in our churches. I pray that you help us to be a blessing and, and be clearly witnessing to you in our neighborhood. In, in every way, in every aspect, help us to be like Jesus. And he was telling us the point to you. That's what we want to do. We give you thanks. Lord, I know you're going to, we're going to have some prayer requests come up. So I'll just pray for those as well. Father, you know their needs. And we give you thanks for your answers. They're always enough. Your answer is always perfect for the situation. And we can trust you. And you helped us through the HLC review time. And you'll help us through the difficult times that might be coming for for our students or whatever, we know that you're big enough and you will do far above and beyond what we can imagine or could even pray for. We give you thanks and we do want to glorify you in Jesus' name.